Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good right. luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. There hasn't even been a ball put it in anger. And the 2016 Ryder Cup already has its standout personality. This is the Irish Times Second Caps Podcast. Owen Murphy and Ken. Hi, guys. Hello, Hello there, you. Step forward. PJ Willett, brother of European rookie Danny. Don't know if you've been hearing about PJ Ken shooting his mouth off. You may remember him from his Twitter commentary during Danny's breakout victory this year at the Masters. Mm-hmm. He was sending a lot of genuinely quite funny and very endearing tweets he bewitched his, and charmed the world did. as his brother golfing and otherwise huh? as his brother marched to victory a surprise oh, yeah, victory in Augusta do you remember this yeah, so he's like okay so he's saying stuff like I once punched that kid in the head for hurting my pet rat I, now, like, I thought it was yeah I didn't, anyway sorry go on I, wasn't, I didn't like his tweets but go on speed is lining up his putt if I'm quick I can get a beer go to the toilet and paint the spare room before he hits it this kind of stuff so maybe you already saw the warning signs there, Ken. Maybe you thought this guy isn't as funny as he thinks he is. I thought, stop trying to piggyback on, on the brother. It's not about you. It's never been about you. Yeah. And it never Unfair. will be about you. <laughs> well, it's about him this weekend. A lot of people obviously told PJ that he was a very, very funny man after the... Well, somebody gave him a bloody column, Ken. The uh, National Club Golfer magazine. I know you are, you are a subscriber to that particular... Yeah, periodical. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it around. <laughs> it's one of my uh, favorite periodicals. So, bearing in mind, right, this is the brother of one of the players who's making his Ryder Cup debut this weekend. Ryder um, Cup's being held in America as well. Being held in probably, America, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it can be annoying for European players to play in front of American fans at the best of times. Mm. I, would, I would probably wager. And this a little bit of fuel has been added to the fire for the Americans to stand a chance of winning. Says PJ, they need their baying mob of imbeciles to caress their egos every step of the way. Baying mob of imbeciles. So he starts. Like one of those brainless bastards from your childhood, the one that pulled down your shorts during the school's Christmas assembly. F you, Paul Jennings. They only have the courage to keg you if they're backed up by a giggling group of reprobates. Team Europe needs to shut those groupies up. <laughs> they need to silence the pudgy, basement-dwelling irritants stuffed on cookie dough and pissy beer. 
pausing between mouthfuls of hot dogs so they can scream Baba Booey until their jelly faces turn red. <laughs> There's wow. more, Ken. There is more. Oh, we can keep going. They need to stun the angry unwashed, make America great again swarm, desperately gripping their concealed carry compensators and belting out a mini erection during mashed potato, hoping to impress their cousin. <laughs> he's, he's rambling now, I think, BJ. This is quite impressionistic. Yeah, they need to smash the obnoxious dads with their shiny teeth, Lego man hair, medicated ex-wives and resentful children. Squeezed into their cargo shorts and boating shoes, they'll bellow, get in the hole, while high-fiving all the other members of the Dentist Big Game Hunt Society. Well, actually, I, I thought the last time was good. <laughs> the Dentist Big Game Hunt Society. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was good. <laughs> he finally hit the jackpot with Ken Early after a sustained barrage against American golf fans. Yeah, I mean, there was a bit, it's a bit, well, Americans are fat, stupid, spend a lot of money on orthodontics. Hmm. These are the, the sort of cliches I would associate with the current uh, British Foreign Secretary, uh, Mr. Johnson. Uh, I wouldn't say, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's ever really helpful to go too far down that route. Or even to, you know, to, I just don't think it really works. Although I did I did like the line about the dentist, big game of society. Well, I'll tell you one man who didn't like any of the lines, Ken. That's the European Ryder Cup captain, Darren Clark. I hadn't seen it. Uh, as soon as I did, I went out to find Danny, who was playing in the last group out there this morning. Uh, I spoke to Danny about it. Uh, I showed it to Danny. And he's bitterly disappointed in his brother's article. It is not what Danny thinks. It is not what I think. That is not what Team Europe stands for. So um, Danny was unaware of it, and he fully intends to speak to his brother whenever he comes in and tell him, express his displeasure to his brother about it, because that is not what Team Europe stands for. So, you know, I was obviously very disappointed as well, because that's an, an outside person uh, expressing their opinion, which is not representative of what, of what our thoughts are. Can you just imagine that scene? Danny Willett is there happily ripping a few drivers down the range. Then he sees Darren Clark striding over, thinks, oh, this is great. A little bit of one-on-one. He obviously rates me if he's coming over this close <laughs> to the tournament to have a word about my swing. And then he's like, your idiot brother yeah. is after just potentially scuppering our relationship with well, the well, why, why is he even talking to him about his brother, though? It's got nothing to do with him. What do you mean it's got nothing to do with him? Well, the article that his brother wrote for some you know, magazine has got nothing to do with the, with the player. Yeah, but I, he's... Uh, PJ is not going to be the man performing in front of 20,000 Americans. So I think the fans, the American fans, are going to make sure that, you know, they're going to slag off one of the Willett family. The European team has been on... Get it right. Yeah, exactly. The European team has been on a charm offensive, Ken. They've tried to befriend the American fans because they don't want scenes like they had in Brookline all those years ago and elsewhere when the American patriotic frenzy has been whipped up uh, to, to the maximum. So genuinely, this is, this is what Darren Clark believes that they're, they've tried really hard not to antagonise the, uh, the American team particularly. They've been trying to be really matey, pally-pally with the fans, and now that's been blown, as, blown asunder by Mr. Willett. Well, uh, I mean, has it? It's, are they really... I mean, uh, yeah. it's, obviously, it's obviously a stupid article. Uh, is it? Is it that big a deal? I suppose if I was in Well, American... no, I, I, I find it hilarious, personally. But in the confines, in the bubble that is the Ryder Cup, I, I can see why it's a big deal for Darren I, I can't Clark. see why Danny wouldn't be, you know, mega delighted with his younger brother. Younger? I don't even know if he's younger or older. No, he must be, he must be he older. Must be older he's just talking about beating him up as a kid no, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Well, unless he was a strong kid. No, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's not... I, I dare say not for the first time poor Danny has uh, had his head in his hands at the uh, <laughs> behaviour of the... Of the older brother, I don't know. It's it's a 
the Americans, uh, it's not too difficult to, to annoy them. Thankfully, Kent, we, we know an American. We're pals with an American, so we're going to get U.S. Murph on. Oh, one, yeah. of these, one of these American imbeciles on later on <laughs> the show to defend the honour of his country and yeah. the golf-loving fans from it. Who's taking up the role of Danny Willett's brother in the build-up to Saturday's All-Ireland Football replay, I hear you ask? Oh, well, well, half of Dublin. Well, pretty much every man Murphy has ever worn the blue of the, that great county on his back. Mayo folk not happy at the concerted campaign can being orchestrated from deep inside the Boar's Head or Fagans or yeah. Tamangos or wherever it is. They had a meeting in Tamangos. Yeah. yeah. Late night Tamangos meeting. Yeah. It was called there recently and the ex dubs all turned up, every single one of them. Yeah. Anton I, I was there myself. You were, you were there, Ken. Oh, I thought, you had to, the bugle. I thought you had to have played for the county to be invited to these meetings. Ah, uh, you know, well, I mean. Well, he's a media personality. For, former so. players and. Uh, Long time uh, True Blue. This is the, a little thing called the True Blue mm-hmm. Dub Club. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, how, what have you heard about the meeting? What can you tell me about it? Well, I can, I, I can only tell you what Alan Brogan, I mean, he must have been in on that meeting. Paul Clark, I think he was there as well. Mm-hmm. Who else? Would have, Jer Brennan, would you see Jer Brennan there? Well, yeah, sorry, you can't, you're not at liberty to speak. But I'm guessing Jer Brennan was there because they're all coming out with the same line. Essentially, Lee Keegan. Back off, Jeremy Connolly. Stop trying to wind him up. And umpires, referees, get your houses in order. Clamp Do down on this Lee Keegan stuff. That's what's going on here. Mayo not happy. Mayo think this is concerted and propaganda. Well, I, 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 I just feel leave Connolly alone. Is my is, a, is That's a, your rallying is cry. my feeling as well? Because just let him do his stuff. You know, it's a pleasure to watch the guy. It really is a pleasure to watch the guy. I, I think the Mayo people should look and learn. Mm. You know what I mean? You see, you see Connolly stride out there. I, I think of um, Flan O'Brien. You know, uh, three fifties of Fosterlings could engage in the playing of handball against the broadness of his backside, which was wide enough to stop the march of men through a mountain pass. Uh, you know, that, that was uh, he was speaking, of course, of Finn McCool. Ken doesn't actually have that in front of him, by the yeah, way. No, he that literally has, weird. that's just popped there on the top of his head. Said that. This yeah. is uh, true. But it could, it could have been Dermot Connolly he was talking about. <laughs> he's, a, he's a force of nature and, you know, stop trying to interfere with nature. Uh, you know, they're, they're, for all of the talk of Connolly and Keegan, uh, Ed McGreal was writing in the Mayo News this week uh, and said that Dermot Connolly had sent Lee Keegan a pair of boots last year and apparently they got on like a house on fire during the International Rules Series last year, last year. So everyone seems to be making a big deal of how, of how much they hate each other. But there's no verbals. There's nothing. It's just manly... Wrestling. Yeah. Just, you know, contact. Manly contact. Nothing wrong with that. No. All right, Mike Quirk is ready to go. Ushin and Carl are here. Lads, excited? Yeah, yeah. very excited on, yeah. Scale of one to ten, Carl? Uh, eight or nine. Getting to going to be ten on Saturday. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh, the whole Saturday Ushin's night. A steady seven. Yeah, yeah, a steady life. Seven, I think yeah. the building yeah. of up. Still got Friday yeah. to look after for us. <laughs> Merson writing a very excited, excited and excitable column this morning about uh, this Saturday night under Morph lights. Has. Yeah, he has, yeah. Okay. I presume you read Murph's column every week, right? Absolutely. In the Irish Times, uh, Oshin just said every <laughs> Thursday. I mean, the season's nearly over, so I suppose, <laughs> what's the point in telling you now? You're, but. you're quite pumped about this idea of uh, just, just something novel for fans yeah. and players? Well, it's really, it, it, it dates back more to the, the, like the first floodlit final that I saw was uh, Cork against Clare in the 2013 hurling final. And it was a sensationally yeah. good uh, occasion, like absolutely brilliant. Now, the game was brilliant. And, you know, maybe when it all boils down to it, that's what makes a brilliant occasion. But uh, obviously, Saturday evening... Half five, we know what that means. You know, people are obviously going to get to Dublin nice and early. They're going to have a few pints. We, like, we see this with rugby games and soccer games all the time. 
evening kickoffs, say the Heineken Cup or the the European Champions Cup, you know, the later the game starts, usually the better the atmosphere. Uh, that Cork and Clare game was sensationally good, and I just I'm I'm really excited about about that element of his, of it as well. I mean, we're into October now, mm-hmm. so I mean, you know, it's like it's not like it's going to be that bright. If uh, you know, if it's if it's a pretty dull day, then it's it's going to feel like a real you know international soccer game, international rugby game. But with you know everything on the line, the two best teams in the country, the two noisiest fan bases in the country by miles, uh, this is the potential to be an absolutely brilliant, uh, brilliant occasion. Yeah, like and like, GA is one of the few sports where we have replays of the biggest event uh, in the in the year. And if you think it's now five or six weeks since we knew the pairing. Uh, and it's like it's been a five or six uh, week build up, but also with a game in the middle of it between yeah. the two teams. So, yeah, the Saturday night thing definitely adds to it. And there's loads of kind of things around sporting events to add to the occasion. Like the fact that there is terracing in Crow Park, for example, is another thing that just adds to an occasion on a Saturday night game, I think. That's going to be a big thing as well with the Doves and the Mayo Bowl on the hill. The build up now in the media in the last two weeks, all the things, the, the, the bars that are going over uh, and back <laughs> from Dublin and uh, Mayo former players. That's going to add to the excitement. And Mayo fans, I think, are not reacting too well to all the uh, the Lee Keegan highlighting in the last week or two. So, yeah, the, the Clare versus Cork is a perfect example of uh, how a game can morph into something because it's a night game. And let's get into these barbs being thrown back and forth then. Most recently, well, not necessarily, I don't know, this, this controversy is moving so quickly it's hard to keep up pushing. But John Casey <laughs> was on 2FM's Game On. And he said it looks like it's being planned and coordinated in the papers every day this week. There's been a former Dublin player having a cut at Lee Keegan. You have to think it's directed towards the ref- match referee, Morris Deegan. I hope Deegan doesn't buy into this Dublin propaganda machine. Yeah, and one thing about Mayo that's certainly not paranoid, but everybody's <laughs> talking about them. Um, it's, it, it's one of the things, I suppose, that makes this game great. I think uh, the Keegan and, and Connolly thing. And the one thing I would say about the Keegan Connolly thing is that Mayo have two very good man markers, Higgins and Keegan. Okay, they're able to stifle the um, their direct opponent uh, nine times out of ten, but they're also the most creative players. You know, and sometimes uh, in a situation like that, you know, it'd be interesting to see how Lee Keegan would fare in a game like this. Was he not marking Dale McConley? That's not a chance. I don't think that Mayo got willing to take this weekend because there's too much on the line. I think. Um, Connolly is that important to Dublin. I think he's taken a bit of stick of him right in the last couple of weeks. And he will want to uh, sign off the year with a, with a massive performance. It's up to Keegan to stifle him again by whatever means. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's his job. His job is to stop Dermot Connolly. I mean, he's had very little effect apart from that on, on the games that may have played against Dublin over the last couple of years. And you know he can bring them. He can bring a hell of a lot. If he was to, you know, it's impossible for Lee Keegan to to do both marking Dale McConley out of the game and having a, a positive effect going forward. And I think the one thing that Mayo have missed is that you know is Keegan driving forward and, and getting scores and um, creating things as he goes forward and and putting Dublin in the back foot. And that's certainly something that 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 they've missed I think the issue that people like John Casey have is that these ex-Dublin players seem to be putting pressure on the referee uh, that's that's certainly the interpretation <laughs> in Mayo mm. Carl you know Paul Clark 
It's talking about uh, the referee had a good game in the circumstances, but the linesmen and umpires didn't seem to see much. Referees need a hand on All-Ireland Final Day. Jer Brennan says some umpires might not have the confidence to make a call to the referee uh, that number so-and-so is continuously at the number 11 and it needs to be stamped out. He actually suggests that Connolly should play closer to full forward, closer to the umpires, and maybe force them yep. to make decisions. Who else was talking about it? Alan Brogan. Uh, says Lee Keegan sacrificed his own game to try and nullify Dermot Connolly. Lee is getting away with more than he should, but he, he and his teammates will do what it takes. Is it a concerted propaganda? Campaign? So no, I don't think it is coordinated. It is the main talking point between the two finals, clearly. Uh, and so a journalist is always going to ask the question uh, of what a former player thinks or a former manager thinks of the main talking point between the, the two finals. So it certainly isn't coordinated, but yeah, they're giving their opinions on what they see in that matchup. Uh, and obviously they're Dublin foreign players foreign managers they're going to give a Dublin slant on it and they're going to try and say something that gives their team an advantage that's only natural like uh, so I think it is a little bit rich though say, having said that that some of those players and some of those foreign managers are saying that given the teams they were part of given what they've seen their this current Dublin team do some of their defenders uh, Peter Caffrey was over a team during the 2000s it was very unlikable because of the way they were in people's faces doing a lot of kind of mouthing in players faces after they missed points and doing that kind of general kind of dark arts so it is a little bit rich from them to be talking about Lee Keegan doing all this but I can see why they're saying it they're trying to give Dublin an advantage What have the current defenders done? You, you mentioned the current team have done some Yeah, well, some it's, of the bad it's, stuff. it's well documented what Philippe Man and, and he's uh, been he's, he's he's admitted to it like, you know, that he plays to the edge which in fairness every player should play to the what edge What we're asking them to do Yeah, so like, it's competitive sport people will play to the very edge of what the rules allow in order to gain an advantage and Philippe Man has done that and he's admitted that I have no issue with that and Lee Keegan is doing the exact same as well and I have no issue with that either So uh yeah, it's it's obvious that Dublin forward players, forward managers are going to say all this because they want to give their team an advantage and hopefully influence the ref. Now, the thing with the ref is, I think Morris Deegan is the kind of referee who lets a lot of this go and does not try to influence the game by calling freeze for little small stuff. He generally lets things go in games uh, and I don't think he's going to be uh, uh, pulling that as, as much as the, the Dublin uh, players might think. Alan Brogan, Paul Clark, Jerry Brennan, Jim Gavin, they're not all sitting around a room. Of a Friday evening, we're hatching this plan, you don't think? No, well, I, I suppose we should bring uh, Mike Quirk in here because, I mean, Kerry, you're the kings of coordinated propaganda uh, assaults via the media. Uh, you don't you have you've obviously been at a few of these Kerry meetings. Do you think Dublin are doing something similar, Mike? Well, it's it's once once month once monthly we all get together well, good, and, and just good. kind of over know, the direct what's, what's the what's the team of the next couple <laughs> of months? Like it, it's I love I love it actually. I love that Dublin are getting a bit of this heat. That there's this this concerted effort amongst all these guys writing for different newspapers or different websites or different interviews that there's a kind of a circular goes out there and it kind of goes, okay, lads, let's put serious heat on Lee Keegan here and let's, you know, it's, 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 Kerry got that for a long time. No, we'll still get it with this media mafia kind of malarkey, but look, it's the, it's the only talk, it's the main talking point of this game is that, is that battle. And like I said the last day, it's like, it's like Paul Galvin and Noel O'Leary for years now in Cork and Kerry. People used to go to Munster finals and used to never watch the ball being kicked they used to take their eyes off Galvin and and uh, and Noel O'Leary to see the see the thumping and then and the dragging and the stuff that was going on. And this this is after turning into something very similar. And it just I think it adds a, a huge element to the game that is just a fascinating part of it. I don't think anybody there's no real serious dirty strokes being thrown by either of them. But it, it's just such a will to win from 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 Connolly and and from Keegan. You know that that neither guy wants to leave the other fella have an influence on the game. And you know if you could put a player cam on these two for, for the next 70 minutes and just let it go I hope Deegan doesn't get get spooked by all this stuff mm. and tries to throw out early cards or something like that it, 
just just let it go. And once there's no fella trying any seriously dirty strokes, leave him leave him handle themselves. They're they're well able to. Oshin, could the referee be affected by the hype? Well, referees are human beings. Uh, well, most of them are human. <laughs> most of them certainly are human beings, and I think uh, <laughs> the vast majority of the referees are human beings. Yeah, I, I think they can be affected by it because you can't but be affected by it. It's a little bit like you know asking players before a championship match. You know, do you read the papers? And every single one of them will say no. Yet they'll know exactly what's going on and what's being said by every single individual. So, referees will. Uh, I'm. I'm very sure uh, he will. Morris Deegan will be aware of it. But I think. And David Goldrick, he's got somebody, you know, at the weekend who's who's on the lane who, you know, it seems to to me to be far and away the best referee in the country at the moment. I'm not 100% sure why he's not refereeing this game, but uh, he certainly has a positive influence, I think, on what's happening. He's a calming influence. And I think of all the referees that are left uh, refereeing, I think McEnany, to be fair to him, had had this um he's got a bit of a feel for the game mm. now you know there's a lot of people who referee games and referee it to the letter of the law i think you know david Goldrick just being there and his presence i think you know puts uh, just puts a different slant on things because i think he ha- has a measured approach and as, as i say i think he has a feel for it. i think he understands the sort of pressure that that players are under and you know the first 10 or 15 minutes of, the, of this game I would like to think won't be for the faint-hearted, and there will be a lot of you know tackles going in. And if, if Morris Deegan is 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 determined, as you hear referees are determined to clamp down on this early on, uh, you know it can be to the detriment of the game. I watched uh, Cork and Clare in a in a pub in in Aberdeen, and it was packed, and the atmosphere was brilliant. But most right, the game itself was an unbelievable battle and it was an unbelievable game and it ebbed and it flowed anybody who watched the the first All-Ireland final this year football final will realise that it didn't ebb and flow the way we thought it was going to ebb and flow it didn't run the way we thought it was going to run and I just hope that this uh, weekend is different because it's not that we need a good game it's that you know I think at this stage that those two these two teams Mayo haven't been there over the last number of years, and Dublin, for me, being far and away the best team in the country, um, deserve to to put on something that 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 can make us all sort of sit back and go wow. Yeah, and probably a last word on the Keegan Connolly stuff. Mike hit the nail on the head there in that everyone was looking forward to this anyway. It's not it, it, we the one thing that's struck two weeks ago <clears throat> saying exactly what Mike just. Yeah, said. it's it's yeah. not it's not as though the, these ex Dublin players have brought up some sort of an uh, an unsayable yeah. thing ahead of this final like you're going to be looking at it maybe even a little more than we were last time but it's the most obvious matchup yeah, to, to focus on is it pound for pound the best defender and the best attacker in the game certainly the best pound for pound player on both sides and it is interesting that you yeah. sacrifice from Mayo's point of view you do sacrifice the attacking instincts well in fairness you ha- in previous years Keegan has gotten four but in, th- in this year it seems like just nailed Connolly down don't worry about anything yeah, else. Yeah, it's just because the impact he can have, like, and it's a it's a decision that Rashford and Keegan have made that they want to go with that that matchup and, and to take it on. The thing is, I think going into it is uh, Connolly now has played him four times and has been curbed on each occasion. So between Connolly and Jim Gavin, 
they're going to have to get him into a position where he actually can impact the game and do damage on Keegan. And I think that's going to be closer to the goal. I think Connolly is good at getting away from Keegan, getting them first few yards, but uh, Keegan's recovery is excellent and he doesn't let Connolly break the line. Yeah, his defending on his on his toes is sensationally yeah. good. His but, movement on his toes. But Connolly can still get like the first yard or two and get like a second of a gap. And I think if he's close to the goal, he can shoot straight away rather than having to carry it another few yards. And I think that would be suit him better to take this match. Maybe back. try and isolate him a little bit more in there. You know, um, Conley took also took a bit of a bit of stick. I don't know if you've seen this during the week, but uh, the night before the All Ireland final, we played St Vincent's uh, Cross Midland played St Vincent's in Cross Midland in a challenge match, and Damon Conley was at the match. And uh, a lot of people found that weird. I, I didn't find. Sorry, hang on. This is the night before the All Ireland game. The All Ireland final. So Saturday evening. Right? Yeah. So at half time. You know, I, I hadn't noticed him, you know, um during the game, but at half time I seen somebody over, you know, chatting to the forwards and I watched him walk and I said to myself, That's Dale McConnelly. And for a minute I thought weird and then and then the rest of me thought, Well, <clears throat> what's he supposed to do? Sit in the house and sit in his hands and bite his nails for the evening like or go and watch his club team playing in a challenge match. That's I, Funny coincidence, uh, before the Dublin Kerry All-Ireland final last year, we played Vincent's the day before in Kinnegad in a challenge match, and Connolly was there as well. And I remember just thinking at the time, <laughs> good that's club, a, that, that's a nice way to just relax the day before, be with his friends and his club team, yeah. and just kind of get get through the day and not think about the final. And he, right? just sat, he sat yeah. in the stand with a couple of boys, mm. um, you know, during the game, and he, he watched the game, and I seen some of our young ones going over, getting photographs and different things with him, and he, he had... There's a charity run or something. He did a wee piece on it, not a piece on it. But he just got a photograph holding the sign or whatever. But seemed very relaxed about it. Now people are using that, you know, almost as a stick right. to beat him with. Like, but I just think for anybody who's played in an all Ireland final, you just do you do anything to get out of that headspace the night before a game. You 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 can't live in that moment all the time. It's seventy minutes and you're preparing for it all the time. But when on your downtime, your downtime's your downtime, and you, you choose to spend that whatever way you wish. Mike, there there are a lot of calls for Jim Gavin to be to take a leaf out of Brian Cody's book for team selection for this replay, and you know we'll, we'll see what the actual team is named and what team lines up and all that kind of thing. Um, are you expecting him to make uh, more than one one or two changes? I mean, there's a couple of guys. There's a couple of guys that you could obviously you could obviously replace without any without anybody blinking. You know, I mean. Bernard Brogan has been has been struggling. You know, Petty Andrews came on and made a big impact. You know, Paul Mannion seems to be champing at the bit. Like I, I still think, you know, there there is one or two guys, obviously, but I still think the guys that he's putting out there were plenty good enough to win the game, you know, the original final, but just didn't perform. Um and, and I mean whatever fifteen whatever fifteen and whatever six forwards he puts out are are good enough to win this final uh this final replay on Saturday night. The question is, can they can they get the performance out of them, which which they just couldn't the last day, and they, you know it was a it was a wholesale malfunction and a wholesale deviation away from from their kind of game plan, and and you know can that you know if it's one or two guys that are not performing and that that you know fall short to the mark on a big day, you know that's always going to be the case. But if it's a kind of a wholesale thing where you're talking more than five, six, seven guys underperforming, then that's something. You know, possibly that they did, you know, wrong in the in the build up to it. Whether they whether they train too hard or train too easy, or they, it's it's strange when you have such a wholesale number of of guys underperforming that it's it's not that's not just nerves. That's not just you know one of those individual player things. That's that's something maybe that that management got wrong, and and that'd be something more more along the lines that I I'd expect them to have looked at and worked on and and see exactly why why that happened as opposed to 
you know, Bernard Brogan playing poorly on his own, or you're always going to have that kind of a scenario. Is it too easy just to take Kevin McMenamin out of the team, which seems to be one of the suggestions, Oisin? You know, like Brogan has has been well documented; he's been struggling a little bit this year. Paul Flynn hasn't offered a huge amount over the last two years. I know he's judged maybe against his own standards from the couple of seasons before that. But does Gavin really need to shake this up by dropping one of the really big names? First of all, I don't think that's Jim Gavin's form. Uh, he's been uh, he's been very loyal to to a lot of players. Probably, if you're going to pick anybody out, you would have to say that he's been more loyal to Paul Flynn than than anybody. I think you know he's had a particularly poor season and probably a particularly poor eighteen months. But Gavin has a lot of faith in him, and do you know what? Putting yourself in Gavin's shoes, do you play Flynn? And you think. You know, there could be a massive performance in this game. And, you know, you keep trying and trying and trying it. I think you play, play Paul Flynn. I think you play Bernard Brogan. I think you're right. I think one of the easy options is to drop Kevin McMenamin and probably play Paul Mannion in his place. You have to go back and remember how good uh, McMenamin was in the in the semi-final. And I think that's one of the things that Jim Gavin... Jim Gavin has to take a step back, and I'm sure he has done, and say to himself, like, you know, that's only one performance. One performance where, you know, we completely malfunctioned, you know, all over the field. McCarthy playing a full game would make a hell of a lot of difference to them. Um, and I think he offers them a little bit more going forward because it gives Brian Fenton the opportunity to sit a little bit more. Um, he could make a switch in the middle of the field. You know, I suppose if I was going to make a switch for Dublin at the weekend, I probably would pull McCauley out and, and use him as an impact sub. I think that's worked maybe better for them you know, over the last uh, couple of games. Well, here's one from left field, and it's not my suggestion, it's Fintan O'Toole from the 42.ie. Play Paul Flynn in midfield. If, right. you're, if, if you're determined to keep him in the... <laughs> just <laughs> dead silence. And, uh, no, uh, so, right. like, just the simple change well, well, from... If, if, if you want to keep, him, if you keep yeah. Flynn in the team, he hasn't been offering a huge amount going forward. He has a style of play that's well-suited to how Dublin play midfield. Yeah, so, actually, just to kind of go back to the, the Flynn uh, dynamic first, I think that Flynn came into a team with Pat Gilroy where his half-back sat, and he was able to get on a lot of ball around the middle. Kieran Kenny also was not in that team. Now, in the last year or two, you have Kieran Kenny in the team, Dear McConley playing out around the middle, you have Brian Fenton around the middle who's a good ball player, and now you've got all these half forward uh, backs and cornerbacks streaming forward. I think Flynn has had less opportunity to get on the ball. Like, he is not featured on the ball to the same uh, extent that he ha- was under Gilroy, uh, and I don't think he's managed that kind of change uh, well himself. I don't think he's found his kind of position in the team and how he can influence the team as much in the last two years because of that. Now, that's, that's, that's his problem. He he has to make sure that he can get on the ball and influence the game now when, when there's so many other players around him. But uh, when it comes to moving him to midfield, uh, it is a big difference to go from wing forward to midfield considering like your man-marking job for uh, a half-back moving forward and trying to support the forward line so much from that wing forward position. Whereas in midfield, midfielders don't like marking each other. They can get on handy ball. They float up and down the pitch to get their tackles in. Uh, it's it's a very different role. I was just reading out somebody else's work. <laughs> very different role. And it is, it'll be a big move in two weeks for uh, Flynn to change his mind. But if Gavin thinks, yeah, that he's not doing anything for me wing forward, then it is possibly something that could happen. But I don't think Gavin is going to change Flynn or Brogan. I think McManaman is the one change that he could possibly make up front. I don't think he would have any frame of reference for Brogan and Flynn coming off the bench and contributing to the extent mm. that McManaman 
McManaman, uh, Mannion and Paddy, Paddy Andrews can do. So putting them on the bench and bringing them on is a little bit of an uncertainty for him. Hopefully he has a word with Kilkenny, you know, because Kilkenny's completely changed his game over the last maybe three three games. You know, he was a real option for them going forward. He's kicking three and four points from play. Now every time he gets the ball, he looks to keep the ball and it all goes back to that 50-something possessions he had against... Um, who was it? West Donegal. Uh, yeah, Donegal. Yeah, 50-something possessions he had against Donegal and somebody told him that that was a brilliant stat to have and somebody needs to tell him that wasn't. And like some people don't realise how that takes away from other players on the team. Yeah. Like So like Connolly and Flynn aren't getting on as much ball because of Kieran Kenny holding and on to it. And inside as well. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine how Broken frustrating it must be. You know, you want to make one good run and get yeah. the ball. And uh, the idea that Kilkenny just hangs onto the ball, runs laterally backwards and back and forth, back and forth, it just takes all the pace out of the game, you know? And it, and it, it actually is, you know, that's the thing you associate with this Dublin team is just massive pace coming from their half-back line. And if Kilkenny is holding onto the ball for as long as he does, then that's that, that weakens that hugely. It must be part of the game plan, though, no? It must be something Gavin's asking him to do. Otherwise, he'd have pulled him aside yeah. by now and said, don't do it. I, 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 don't, I don't understand why he wants I to do it. I think against Donegal, absolutely. And I think if they're... You know, if they're uh, a couple of points up with a couple of minutes to go, like the sideline ball that people are talking about that, that Conley took off him, I mean, he would have been the perfect person to get that ball, to deliver it and get it back again and hold on to it and, and we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's moments in games, certainly, where that's the way you play, coming towards the end of the first half when you have a nice lead, you don't want to get everything going before the half time. Same with towards the end of the game. Perfect example the last day when Kenny, actually, in fairness, in the last five minutes, the last uh, the last day, was very good at holding onto the ball and dictating that they weren't going to turn it over. Uh, and that was a surprise uh, to see what Conley ended up doing with the, the sideline ball. But yeah, as a, as a tactic throughout the whole game, it just goes against everything that uh, a lot of the rest of Dublin players can do in order to win games. I like what Conley done, though, just pulling it on the record. T- taking the ball off, yeah, uh, and banging it wide. Well, not banging it wide, but having a go. Yeah, okay, that's on the record. Mike <laughs> <laughs> Mayo. Uh, I, I was going to ask you how they repeat their defensive excellence while getting a bit more go- uh, out of their forwards, but looking back on it, th- th- I think the fact they conceded two own goals, the, the fact that they were own goals, seemed to obscure the fact that they were cut open two or three times early on. It was sloppy defending for both of those on both of those occasions. Fenton got in early on as well. It seemed like it took about 20 minutes for them actually to to uh, just get a proper grip on what they were doing. And from then on, they did quite well. What are you expecting from them both sort of, well, particularly defensively? Can they, can they stifle Dublin, assuming Dublin bring a lot more to the table? Yeah, it's probably going to be more of the same. They're going to look for, I mean, Brian Fenton, obviously, and those two goal chances that he created came out of out of no great, you know, work of art or athleticism. He actually just kind of cantered away in and no one just kind of picked him up and said they'd leave him have a pot. Um, and obviously the two own goals were, were, you know, kamikaze stuff and they were on disasters in their own right. But I, I think those two Fenton chances, you take those two Fenton chances out of it, which which are something that's, that's easily enough modified by getting a guy to just actually go and track his runner. I mean, if they didn't know that Brian Fenton was going to bomb on towards the goals in the lead up to the game, you know, they were they were probably sleeping a little bit. But I, I think if you, you, you can, and they have the pace to do that with Shamie O'Shea, even Tom Parsons, they can track the likes of Brian Fenton. Apart from that, they were really, really, really good defensively. You know, their tackling was really good, like we spoke about the last day. They were so aggressive. You know, I think Mayo should be praying for a very similar kind of, you know, day weather-wise that they had the last time. I think I think they really need that kind of greasy ball so that they, when they are the aggressors, they will force turnovers. They'll force them into mishandling. And I, I think they have a better chance on a day like that than, than they do on a, on a dry side above there. And 
uh, you know, they need to get obviously more out of the likes of Aidan O'Shea. Same with Killian O'Connor. Someone needs to just go nuts in that half forward line and kick four points from play. Andy Moore needs to go and get one one. Somebody, somebody in that forward line needs to be the the, the All Ireland final man of the match if they're if they really having a chance to win it. I think defensively they're going to be pretty solid again, but someone's got to go absolutely crazy and 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 off script and and go grab man of the match if they really have a real chance of getting it. Aidan O'Shea is going to have a big game, isn't he? Yeah, I, I sort of have he, a feeling. Yeah, he got on loads of ball the last time. Obviously, didn't use it as well as he'd like to. Uh, so I would think, yeah, that he obviously won't be happy in the last week or two with how he performed the last day, and will have a big focus on making sure that when he gets the ball, he holds on to it and he creates things rather than getting turned over or taking on uh, stupid shots. Uh, I would hope that Killian O'Connor, given the, the his his closing moments last day, has got a lot of confidence from that, and that him and O'Shea now will work a lot better the next day together. Like if. Like if any big full forward is in there and hasn't got a, a nippy forward around him looking for all those handy layoffs, then that's just like a, a, a malfunction that should not happen. Like that's like O'Shea should be looking for O'Connor nearly as a default thing straight away. That if O'Connor's around me, I pop it off him straight away. Because what happens then is the focus then goes onto O'Connor because he's getting the scores, and then O'Shea might find his few gaps uh, where he can actually get a one on one or a two on one, which obviously he can he can take on himself. So I think the two of them have to make sure that when they get the ball into O'Shea's hand, that they manage that kind of attack on the Dublin defense better. Yeah, and I, I think as well that, that Aidan O'Shea just needs to be more decisive in everything he does. The more I look back on that game, the more I see that he, at no stage really did he just seem, right, there's only one thing in my head here and this is what I'm going to do, and he just goes and does it. He didn't actually do that at any stage. He was so anxious to do the right thing that he had five or six options floating around in his head the whole time. I mean, when you're that size, when you're that big, and when you're that good, it, it's, it should be easy. You know, it, it, it should be just blow this guy out of the way, kick the ball over the bar. I mean, I just felt there were too many times when he was on the ball and he wasn't entirely sure at any stage what he wanted to do with it. Yeah, my impression of Aidan O'Shea is he feels like he has to do everything for yeah. this Mayo team and sometimes then you don't, you lose your focus on the two or three things that I will contribute that will be the deciding factor for my team and when you don't focus on those then that's why you end up kind of freelancing and you react to the situation and you don't make the clear decisions and the clear game plan decisions that you've worked on beforehand. So yeah, you would hope in the last two or three weeks that he realised, I'm going to get balls in these positions, these are the things, these are my options in each of those situations, rather than just kind of getting it and not sure what he's doing straight away. Yeah, so maybe if he kind of focuses more on what he, how he can contribute the best, then yeah, there might be a better result for him. Yeah, yeah he shouldn't be bringing contact on himself. You know, as a forward, you know, the, your, your thing is, I, I don't want you know I'm trying to get away from contact if you're a defender you're trying to get you're trying to get hands on you're trying to get contact Aidan O'Shea continuously takes the ball he thinks he's still playing under 16 where he's so much stronger than everybody else and he is a big strong man but when you run into those Dublin guys you know they'll strip you of it and Aidan O'Shea needs to get that into his game that whenever he gets the ball in his hands that you know he's slipping it inside and he's going for a return or if he's winning it in there as as Carl says popping it off to a fall coming off his shoulder he doesn't have to be show that he's we all know how strong he is you know he doesn't have to get, continue to show us and don't carry the ball in the tackle if he can if he could eradicate that from his game from the last day that's going to make a huge difference yeah you know him, Mike so. used to play a lot of full forward in his time as well and he'll be able to comment on this as well when you are a big man in full forward I used to play there from my early stages of Roscommon and you win a high ball like that coming in 
the first reaction is is go for goal. I'm in for goal. That's what the reaction is. So possibly that's what O'Shea feels when he wins those high balls. The crowd go crazy. Mm. I'm in on goal. I have to go for goal. But yeah, as Oshin says, it's developing fewer things in order that you do actually get an obvious goal chance rather than trying to create something that's not there. Yeah, and I suppose your buddy, Kieran Donaghy, Mike has probably showed a be- best out of any full forward in the country over the last 10 years how to how to play it sensibly. He doesn't necessarily, he doesn't go for goal that often, really, and he just creates quite a lot by, by winning ball when he is in there. Yeah, now if you if you if you put Aidan O'Shea in with Gooch and uh, you know Paul Galvin and Declan O'Sullivan, I, I bet he turns into probably a better player as well. You know, um, I I just think the the supporting cast have to have to help him out a little bit. They have to get support to him earlier than they are. Yeah, like at times he's winning ball really isolated. And and to be fair, you know a guy Johnny Cooper and Philly McMahon. You know, David Byrne, you know, John Small, these are, are, are you know, they're maybe not as big, as tall as him, but these are strong physical whores who are just ripping ball and, and being so aggressive with him as well. And and no doubt, now you won't see the Dublin former players coming out talking about it in the media, but they're getting away with an awful lot of stuff with Aidan O'Shea as well, that for a guy, you know, who is six inches smaller would be getting about five frees more a game than he is getting. Uh, and, and he's definitely getting a little bit more harsher treatment than than um, than a, a more low-sized guy. But he just needs, I, I think he needs the supporting cast and he needs to make better decisions than when, when he has those options. And, and being decisive is one part of it. He, he does often, I mean, that last punted goal he had there in, in the last couple of seconds in the in the original game if Killian O'Connor hadn't got the equalising score people would be talking about what a really poor decision that was by Aidan O'Shea but it was kind of forgotten about um, and he just needs to you know that decision making is a big big part of it but I think the supporting cast need to need to help him out as well and, and give him a little bit better support Okay we'll make one last stab at getting some of these predictions right this season Mike start with you <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Just for the record, now I made no prediction the first game, so I didn't. I, I won't be lumped into that lot. Uh, I think I think this is going to be another humdinger. I think it's going to be really, really, really close again. Um, and I just think I think someone like Aidan O'Shea or Mayo could possibly go nuts, and I think Mayo might sneak it by by a point or so. Okay, one for Mayo. I think the, the Dublin are going to have sat down the last two weeks uh, and their forwards are going to have sat down possibly themselves and realise and speak to each other about how they didn't perform to what they used to do the last day. And I think they're going to resolve themselves, you know, that we are not coming off this pitch without putting in a good performance to win this game. Uh, and given the way Dublin have won tight games in the past and got over the line in the big, big games, I just fancy them that towards the end they'll work the scores and win it by two or three points. The casting vote goes to the chairman of the committee, Oshin McConville. Um, so I got a couple of text messages after the last show um, before the last final to say that I put the complete blink on Dean Rock because uh, I think he missed uh, more frees than he's missed all year. But uh, I think, you know, if it's a dry sod, I think Dublin could win this again. By six or seven points. Oh, there, we, there we go. There we go. Ushin actually you grimaced. Ushin grimaced before producing that answer. You're going to stick with it though. I'm going to stick with <laughs> All it. All right, six or seven points. Dublin to win. Listen, lads, brilliant stuff. Mike, thank you. Carl, thank you. Ushin, thanks, thanks a million. Modern day coaching. What is it all about? Paralysis by analysis. Infiltrated by a load of spoofers and bluffers. Fellas with earpieces stuck in their ears. Psychologists, Clyde Woodward, statisticians, dietitians, and as Mick O'Connell alluded to, God save us. Whoa, some more, some more fuel on the fire there with Ushin's prediction. Uh, male, male people are turning off their this podcast in their droves, Murph. After that, but yeah. uh, what do you think of the German Connolly? This issue that some people seem to have hadn't been aware of this with Connolly not being in bed at three p.m. the day before an All Ireland final and instead watching his club play a game of football. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't see how anyone could possibly. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh God, who cares? Like, to be yeah. honest, who cares? We've done too much yeah. talking about this. But this has this build has gone on too long. It's been it does six kind weeks of, now. as Carol was saying. Like, it's about six weeks of a build up, and at some stage you're just like, right, come on, let's just get a winner here. Let's play ball. Yeah, I mean, it's like when it's when you get into October. Mm. I mean, any any year that you have three All Ireland finals, I'm on board with. I think that's a great idea, but when you get into October, really, you're like, okay. Let's just, can we all just get back to normal here? Right. Simon, we have to cancel that idea of a bonus Ireland preview podcast on Friday. Though. <laughs> I'm just going to throw one more out there. I, th- I think we've, we've, we've pretty we've, much got we've it covered now. Yeah. Okay, citizens of Europe, listen up. Oh no, I'm going to ask you to listen up right after Ken tells you what's in today's Irish Times Second Games football podcast. That's, yeah, <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm, the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. I'm going down Swanfield and we'll see them up with what you're doing down here, you shiny man. (laughs) Well, then, there's two big things happening at the moment. Well, there was the usual, usual stuff, which is the Champions League, and uh, great performance by Celtic at home to Manchester City, a three-all draw there. Uh, we'll talk a bit about that, and also the, this ongoing story about all the corruption. And it turns out English football is corrupt. Um, there's, a, there's a stench of corruption coming from English football again this week. We can, uh, we can get it over here. There is. So we'll across the Irish Sea. Inhale some of that stench, rich, <laughs> rank musk of decay. Now, citizens of Europe, listen up. It's been a rough year. We've kind of been screwed by this whole Brexit lark, you know. But fear not, European unity can be restored with just a few solid swipes of Lee Westwood's forearm. Uh, yes, it's Ryder Cup time, Kieran. So let us all Skype and then abuse a sacrificial American patsy. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. You're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. All right, let's talk to one of these pudgy, basement-dwelling irritants stuffed on cookie dough and pissy beer. Hi, U.S. Murph. <laughs> well, I'm deeply offended by your characterization because I like to think of myself as the Lego man dad with shiny teeth, <laughs> medicated ex-wives, and resentful children. Come on, man. Get your facts straight here yeah. in America. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just hanging out with my buddy with his concealed carry compensator. God bless you, PJ Willett. And uh, there's nothing like stirring up a little... You know, we're we're allies, and it's NATO until the Ryder Cup, baby, and then it's on. Then it's Trump-Clinton, all right? So let's do this. You are part of the Dentist Big Game Hunt Society, right? We're, just to be clear. <laughs> I was, uh, I'm gazing, as I stand right now, I'm gazing at my array of murdered animals that represents, <laughs> it, by extension, America's um, dominance of, of world culture. And, uh, you know, we see something, we kill it. And uh, and that's basically what we, my feeling about European Ryder Cup, boys. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, keep it above uh, above board. Uh, I do. I do want to see the U.S. win this freaking thing once and for all. I was to prepare for this this great interview. I was going back and looking at my my uh, piece. I used to write for Yahoo Golf before I hung up the pen. And I was looking at my piece from two years ago at Glen Eagles and just got just being reminded of what an ass whipping 
we took for the seventh time in eight tries, I believe, is 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 the number. And let's correct me if I'm wrong on that. So, yeah. you know, I used to sort of um, I used to ha- sort of have this sort of self loathing relationship with the American team. I used to kind of look at them and and see uh, I don't like these guys. They're um, they're cold. They're distant. I I envied Europe's camaraderie. They're singing. They're chanting. They're hugging. They're shoulder noogies. The whole deal and all that. And then I was like, you know what? Screw that. Let's beat these boys. So I'm Team USA, full bore, guys. Has Willett's brother's comments now, Willett himself, has apologized directly to Davis Love. He's apologized in public. I don't know what the conversation with Love was like, because uh, Love said himself that I'm not, I don't want to read that. It's just going to annoy me too much and I'll get defensive about it. Uh, so w- w- I'm sure he's aware of the basic uh, tenets of, of what was in Willett Jr. or Willett Sr.'s uh, article there. But does this give US fans now a license to really go hard at Europe to mash potatoes the shite out of it? Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, sadly, uh, we are going to have, in a crowd, I'd like to think that there's a large number. And when you guys came over and spent your time over here when the second captains stormed San Francisco, I'd like to think, however, I don't know what you guys said when you went back to your fancy Airbnb in the hip mission <laughs> district. I don't know what you guys said behind closed doors. But I'd like to think that you guys did not get the shite mashed potatoed out of you when you were here. I'd like to think that you guys saw very few pudgy basement dwelling irritants stuffed on hot dogs and pissy beer. I'd like to think that you guys got a, a decent sense that when you get an American crowd, a large chunk of us are not are not exactly in the PJ Willett uh, uh, mold. However, all it takes are a few, right? All it takes are a few, so I'm certain that had P.J. Willett never, and by the way, might I add, quite deftly and quite humorously penned that essay, which in reality we should all look as a, uh, you know, in this whole world now, this apology culture we're living in, we shouldn't be demanding apologies for this. We should just roll with it and laugh and have a little bit and needle back, you know? But of course nowadays... You have to immediately issue your pro forma apology, which is about as meaningful as uh, you know, as the as the piece itself. So um, I would like to think that no, that that the Americans will behave, but of course there's going to be some morons, of course, and they would have been there had PJ not written his story. But there will be lots of good golf fans too that will appreciate if the Europeans play well. There will be lots of fans. You know, this is the state of Minnesota, guys. And, and I think we have discussed through the years that you know, I have found of the 50 states in the union, you're going to have to have pretty much a duel to the death between Minnesota and Wisconsin to find the nicest Americans out there. The Midwest is where you find your best. Uh, we're not out here in uh, the, uh, the sort of the tech-obsessed, Tesla-driving West Coast. And you're not back east in the, you know, the, uh, the what should I say, the, uh, the bile-filled places like Philadelphia or Boston or something like that. So if anything's going to be uh, speaking to a, uh, a fine, decent culture, it's a place where they used to raise barns for your neighbor back in the 1800s. So uh, <laughs> let's hope Minnesota shows well, guys. Yeah, I don't know. I've been watching a lot of Fargo recently, Murph. I, 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 I don't know. There's some weird stuff going on. They're too nice for their own good, some of those people. Uh, Picking fence. From that neck of the woods. Lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the best, this is the best that the U.S. media side has come up with. Let's have a listen to this clip. I mean, everyone likes to talk about how great Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed are as a team together. But you know why they're good as a team together? It's because when things go wrong, they look at each other and go, that guy's got my back and I've got that guy's back. And when each of them do that, when things are going bad, things don't go bad for very long. Whoa, 
That's ESPN's chief golf analyst, Michael Collins there, uh, bigging up the part of the, I think, the build-up that the Americans are trying to big up, Brian, this idea that they're, they have to say this every year, but that finally, finally, they're a unified team with great spirit amongst themselves. Yeah, right. I mean, of course, right? And then we'll find out who hits the ball straight and who makes the putt and all that. <laughs> yeah. So it's how you – basically it comes down to who can handle pressure and how devoted they are to the cause. Now, you know, it was always such a curious case study those years with Tiger Woods because it, it will forever be a debate because when Tiger Woods takes the golf course, he doesn't like to he doesn't like to lose. And I don't think he was out at Ryder Cups trying to lose. But there definitely was a feeling when Tiger was in the room – I don't know how comfortable everybody was with each other just because he was such an intergalactically enormous presence from, what, 1990, what, 1999 was his first? No, 97, Valderrama, all the way up through, you know, the last couple years. It, the dynamic could never be totally normal. And I know he wasn't on the one two years ago and they and they sucked and they didn't have good chemistry and all that. But I do believe that the Tiger, sort of this slight turning of the generations. Now, I know we have ancient Phil Mickelson on the team, and he'll always represent sort of the old days. But the slight, you take a Jordan Spieth who played great two years ago in Glen Eagles. You take a Patrick Reed who played great two years ago in Glen Eagles. I'll give you an underrated guy, Jimmy Walker, a guy who's not nearly as famous as those other two guys who played really well at Glen Eagles two years ago and won the PGA Championship. Now, he's not as young. He's a little older. And then, of course, you throw in Ricky Fowler, who everybody loves, but if you actually look at his 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 record in international matches, they're not as great. But he's certainly – everybody wants to go rub his head and, you know, and go play ping pong with him because he's just such a charismatic <laughs> kid. So there is a little something, a little something to the fact that – I don't know if it's quote-unquote they, quote, get along better – but I do know that there is a slight, quote, quote, unquote, turning of the page, you know, and I didn't even mention Dustin Johnson, who will forever, you know, be the most talented guy in the world. But but always you never know which Dustin you're going to get day to day, hour to hour, really. If you get good Dustin, then you don't want to play him in anything. I mean, the guy could the guy can out talent anybody really. Maybe only Rory can stare him down talent wise. But um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe I'm not going to be as uh, as bom- I'll try to lessen my bombast. But mm-hmm. I do like the idea of this team because of guys like Spieth and Reed being young and already having positive, at least individual Ryder Cup history behind them. Now, you know, of course, you look across the way and Europe always seems to play out of their minds. They seem to play great. They, they seem to really, really, truly rally for the event. You guys have what? Is it six rookies this year? Yeah, six. six? Yeah. I mean, so that's kind of the X factor in this whole deal. Until you've been in a Ryder Cup, and, and one of the great things about those European, that golden age of European Ryder Cup was those same guys that weren't rookies all the time. Your Sergio Garcias, your Colin Montgomerys, your Lee Westwoods, your Darren Clarks, your Bernard Longers. Those guys, there was zero rookie about them. They just knew every time. Justin Rose now is is really the... I should mention him as probably the most fearful guy on Team Europe. God, what a player in international competition and in match play too. So I do, I do like, a, a, you know, I don't love everybody. I, you know, like a Matt Kuchar to me is kind of representative of the old days of scar tissue and and getting whacked by Europe. Uh, Zach Johnson a little bit too, but I do like some of this young blood, and I do like Spieth and Reed kind of leading the way. I like that. I like that Spieth is, you know, is kind of the calm, cool, collected, uh, more personable version of Tiger. And I like that Reed's got a little bit of the red ass in him. You know, I like that whole um, silencing the crowd stuff at Scotland. Is it obnoxious? 
absolutely it's obnoxious. Would I hate him if I was a European? Sure, I'd hate him if I was a European. But if you're an American, you want a guy to go out there and have the you know the coconuts, the cojones to go out there and at least take on the challenge. So I'm excited. Brian, why is Tiger Woods involved in this? He's shown a total... Hey, Tiger, you've shown a blatant disregard for this tournament your whole life. Why not come on board as vice captain in charge of strategy? And Bubba Watson, for that matter. Bubba Watson. Yeah, a lot yeah, of people don't yeah, like you. Yeah. This is well known on this team. Why not come along and be a fifth vice captain in charge of cheerleading? Great question. And the true answer to your question is, I, I don't truly know. Uh, I can give theories like, A, Davis Love is one of these... Davis Love is not a jerk. He's a, uh, you know, Tom Watson, unbelievable player and can be a very gracious gentleman at times, but also has a, a way of rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, Hal Sutton, you know, with his cowboy hat, a lot of bombast and and just not an ability to kind of bring people together. I'm, I'm talking about past U.S. Ryder Cup captains, you know. Davis Love is sort of more in that Tom Lehman mold of an unbelievably nice guy, non-confrontational. And I almost see it as a way of him just like, trying to like just wrap everybody in like a big hug, you know, or just thinking that he's going to be like, hey, I know what I can do. I, you know, I can bring Tiger Woods. He's the greatest player of all time. And there is, guys, a little sense over here on this side of the Atlantic. Tiger has become like most of our figures who we, you know, we, they like to tell us that the media builds and then breaks and then builds again, you know. Tiger is sort of in that mode of like sympathetic comeback figure, um, you know, not on the course, but certainly his image. I mean, I think there's a feeling that he's been beaten so severely by the by the PR gods and the media gods and the and all the all the tabloids that have just laughed at him for literally the last what seven years. Oh nine, I think, was when it all went down. The Thanksgiving of oh nine was the famous uh, uh, car under the tree incident. So uh, there's almost a sense that Tiger's a slight sympathetic figure. So I can get why why Davis is bringing him in, and Davis is also trying to do this whole Bill Belichick thing. Great, the great coach of the New England Patriots, Davis keeps citing Bill Belichick as his guy. Well, Bel Coach Belichick tells me this. Coach Belichick tells me that. I can see a scenario where Coach Belichick would say to him, you know, hey, you got the greatest player in the world out there. Why don't you bring him in the fold? <laughs> so I can see that one, you know. Lots of uh, cheating, then, Bubba, we can expect. We can expect loads of cheating, Bubba, then. Yeah, that's good. What's that? We can What's expect, that again? We can expect loads of cheating, then, on this uh, U.S. team. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, if it works, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, And then Bubba Watson, I, have, I can't tell you. I can't tell you because he – it's not just that he he rubs everybody the wrong way and he's a weird dude and he's an icon you know he's sort of a he's out there on his own planet. Let's also talk about the fact that he hasn't performed great in the Ryder Cup. He was one of the big stinkers at Glen Eagles. He was the one who went out there. I think he went over in Scotland two years ago. So um, I don't really need him hanging around. I look at the other vice captains. First of all, there's too many vice captains, and then second of all, Steve Stricker, Tom Lehman, those guys are more in the, more in the mold of Davis Love. Uh, Jim Furyk too. You know how much how much those guys in the room matter. I'm not totally mm -hmm. sure, but I don't think you need Bubba there. So I would have left him off. Brian, give us a prediction, and just bear in mind this is the year of Brexit. Europe needs this, <laughs> <laughs> and we need this. I'm staring at a Donald Trump presidency, man. I need something. I need a I need a, a pick me up. So let's say this. Let's just tie this into the Hillary. You know, on Monday, the, the debate went down and Trump came off as this erratic lunatic who kept screaming wrong, wrong into the microphone and interrupted Hillary 70 times. And and hopefully that was the beginning of the end of Donald Trump. I don't know if it will be, but hopefully it was the beginning of the end for Donald Trump. So I'm going to use that and fold that in a tremendous reach and say that that's going to spill over 
to the forces of good triumphing over the forces of evil. And I'm going to say, even though I bet that every golfer on this team, other than maybe Steve Stricker, is probably voting for Donald Trump, which is <laughs> disgusting in and of itself. There's got to be one Democrat in there. I don't know who it is. Um, I'm going to say that uh, that uh, riding the uh, – we need to defeat the forces of Trump. We need We need to beat Europe. So I'm going to say because of the home course, because of Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed, and because you guys have six rookies, I'm going to take the U.S. by one point, by two points Ooh. in a victory, guys. All right, two points. <laughs> Let's do it. The typical U.S. bombast there from Brian Murphy. <laughs> Enjoy the golf, Brian. <laughs> Good luck, guys. Have fun this weekend. What, you, what are you saying? You're just a phony, man. This is just what happened. I admit I don't look like the athlete of the day. Supposed to look. This ain't wrestling. This ain't the WWE, baby. My belt is just a little big. My hand is just a little big. I'll never do that. There were two bad people. One was John Wayne and he's dead, brother. And the other was right here. You can, you can run around like you a preacher and all that you want, but baby, I promise you, I will baptize you. You can't teach that. I mean, I'm, I'm on excitement overload with all this sport coming up. Predictions for both, Ken? Ryder Cup and All-Ireland Football Final? The Ryder Cup is a... Is a Toss with coin. I hope America wins. Um, Why? Because they never win anymore. They don't win anymore. And uh, and I, I feel as I though I am the one who needs to change. <laughs> I, I feel vice captain there. Tiger was um, in charge of strategy, as we mentioned. They are actually. I mean, it is the case, isn't it, that they haven't won one of these in you are going for a four in a row. Yeah, it's, it's boring. Like, I, I hope they do win. Um, just to. Keep it um, a over. more even, and uh, obviously Dublin are going to win the All Ireland. Well, yeah, the Fairview would. I found that quote, that quote, that Flann O'Brien quote about Finn McHill. Well, it's not Flann O'Brien; it's the guy in the book. Finn McHill was a legendary hero of Old Ireland, though not mentally robust. He was a man of superb physique and development. Each of his thighs was as thick as a horse's belly, narrowing to a calf as thick as the belly of a foal. Three fifties of fosterings could engage with handball against the wideness of his backside, which was large enough to hold the march of men through a mountain pass. So, uh, best of luck to the dubs. Murph, Ryder Cup. Uh, America, 18, Europe, 10. With, uh, what a full-on beating. a point and a half of those European uh, points coming after Americans graciously concede... Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, are if America don't win this, then the whole thing, you can forget about it. You okay. can forget about the entire experiment. Um, and as for the All-Ireland football... How many of them will will kneel for the national anthem? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that... Do they play I, the national anthem at this? Uh, at the uh, ridiculous Ryder Cup opening ceremony, which will be at on the ceremony, tonight yeah. at some stage, which is honestly the stupidest. Actually, we, we won't even waste any time talking about it. I, I wonder, though, you know, would... I mean, I was I was listening to you, you talking Patrick to Brian Reed. last week about it, and uh, just that idea that like nobody, obviously, no one in baseball is going to do it. And I thought, why not? Like, why is it so out of the question that a white person might want to be on the side of justice in you know in a, in a political issue like that? I mean, why is it so so obviously absurd to think that one of these golfers? Privileged go, you know bastions uh, the, representing the sport that is a symbol of the bastion of white privilege traditionally in the US. Why, why is it? Why is it so 
outlandish to think that maybe one of those people might might think, you know what, maybe it is wrong for the police to be just roaming around killing people willy-nilly. Maybe that is a cause worth sort of supporting. We'll look out for that. Murph? Ireland football final, I'm going to say Mayo 211, Dublin 112. Mayo 211, Dublin 112. Let me do the that. That would mean Mayo would win. I'm in in here with a couple of sharp, (laughs) sharp boils, all right. That took you five seconds to figure out, both of you. I'm sorry that put that... But why do you you think Mayo... I mean, it's ridiculous. Dublin didn't score, basically, in the first half. Mayo got... Mayo put two balls past their own goalkeeper. But, I mean, Dublin are going to score in both halves this time. They're going to go for a two-half scoring policy. Mayo couldn't beat Dublin after Dublin didn't score in the first half. They did did score in the first half, just to be accurate about it. They scored after about half an hour, 25 minutes. 29 minutes. But it was like a race against a one-legged man. And they drew. So this time, I think it's going to be different. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, so. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Ken. Thank you all. Thanks for listening. Oh, I should also mention all the podcasts we have out now. There's, a, there's the Sam Alloy's podcast already out and the Champions League podcast. We will t- uh, have that out for you t- this afternoon. Thanks very much for listening. Take care. Enjoy a big weekend. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.